Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental well-being. Each week I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm talking to LJ who is a yarn dyer who owns Rusty Ferret Yarn. welcome to the podcast hi Mia how are you doing yeah I'm good thank you um I always start by asking where your story with knitting began so I'd be really interested to hear where yours started um I suppose really my gran was a big knitter mm-hmm. um and she tried to teach me mm-hmm. um but she always got really annoyed with me so she never really properly taught me, okay. but she was always knitting around me. Um, it wasn't until I went to university and um, I don't know if I've like blacked out these memories or whatever, but I just remember picking up the knitting when I was really struggling mentally. It was mentally mm-hmm. and I needed something to do with my hands. Yeah. And I thought, oh, knitting looks cool. And at the time... Pinterest wasn't really a thing but um like Tumblr and that and there was loads of really cool little knitted things I was like oh I could do that Mm. um so kind of picked it up then um and ever since it's kind of been my I suppose coping mechanism for just Mm. being in the world Mm. um like a security blanket so yeah that was kind of where it started and it's just escalated from there really yeah so you think it was do you think maybe your grandma seeing her knitting had kind of planted the seed that you had a concept of that could be something you did when you felt like you needed to do something with your hands yeah I just um my family is all quite uh creative with their hands Mm. my mum's real my mum's a was a chef and um my dad's an electrician but he tinkers with everything Mm -hmm. so we were always kind of promoted that sounds weird encouraged to use our hands and yeah so we were always encouraged to do stuff like that and it I I don't know why knitting I honestly don't know I don't know if it was the sway of the internet or if it was like some deep memory of like oh yeah I kind of know how to do that because my grand kind of showed me I I honestly don't know Hmm. it's interesting that you had this idea that you was felt like you were struggling mentally and you felt doing something with your hands might help because I think sometimes people fall into it by accident and then they realize doing something with my hands helps and I think certainly that was true for me I don't think I ever did it at the beginning intentionally but I really noticed it did help (laughs) yeah that's weird isn't it I've never thought about it like that um I think I was struggling to focus in lectures as well so I found that phones weren't what phones are now so you're saying it's, it helped a bit to focus in lectures, knitting? Yeah. You were struggling to focus in lectures? Yeah, I was struggling to focus in lectures. I was also struggling to, like, like now what I know is anxiety, mm-hmm. um, to actually go to uni. Yeah. Um, so it kind of gave me something to focus on. And kind of looking back, I feel that I've got this thing with people looking at me and judging me. Mm. And I thought, well, if I'm doing something with my hands or like if I'm knitting in that, um, well, they will be looking at me, but not because of bad reasons, because I'm knitting. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was a different focus, maybe a focus for you and also a focus for other people. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it 
in a way also I find it it's a kind of focal point so you don't have to give eye contact necessarily to people <laughs> you can be busy doing a thing but also still listening so were you actually yeah. knitting in lectures yeah I was yeah I mean for a while I was playing my Nintendo DS don't tell my mom <laughs> um, but yeah I was knitting in lectures and I don't know when you did your degree but the psychology degree that I did there was like 400 people I mean there was smaller as time went on there was smaller um like tutorials and stuff but like were main lectures there was a lot of people yeah. but nobody like the lecturers didn't see you or um I don't think at that time I would have been comfortable in myself to be like yeah but it's keeping me focused I don't think I would have stood up for myself yeah at that point I would now yeah. um and when I went on when I went on to do my second degree yeah. um it was yeah. a creative degree so uh, that was fine nobody really cared <laughs> as long as I was there yeah okay so you knitted and people saw and that was fine yeah yeah and were there more other people doing similar things in a creative degree or not necessarily um not really so I went and did so I finished my uni um and was kind of a bit lost so I ended up at this point I was doing loads of kind of crafts like sewing and things mm. and one of my friends was like why don't you apply to do your NQ in um, textiles at the college, local college. Um, you get it paid for your year and whatever. I was like, oh, that sounds, yeah, let's, why not, let's try that. So did that, really loved it. I really, really loved it. But I was like 22 in a class full of 16 year olds. Okay. So I was the kind of weird one. Mm. Um, once I did the NQ, I did my HSD, HND in textile art. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people like enjoyed different creative hobbies like um like photography or sewing or drawing and things I think I was the only one that really did like a, a traditional handicraft like knitting and crocheting that but we were all I don't know it was such a nice um space to be in you were kind of accepted for who you were yeah. so nobody nobody judged you see I'm always concerned about being judged that's really mm. bad I think we all, we all are probably on some level, aren't we? <laughs> so it sounds like it felt more accepting there. You Definitely. Your knitting, it was fine to be the only one who did it. Uh, yeah. You could do it in lectures to help you focus without yeah. anyone thinking that was unusual. No, um, it, I mean, it was kind of encouraged when I was at college because, you know, it was, you were trying things and it was always encouraged to be trying to creative things. But at uni, I mean, again, you'll understand it's all about you've got loads of reading to do. So there's not really the time. I wonder whether it's different now, whether, you know, knitting or the idea of doing something with your hands to help you focus is more feels more normalised or kind of acceptable now that we all kind of realise actually humans are not meant to sit for hours on end and just listen yeah. without doing anything. I yeah, I know. I mean, with that. <laughs> it's um, it's hard to sit and focus and just sit and focus. I think yeah and um, I suppose that's why a lot of people doodle and yeah tinker about and things yeah. um I know like now being in the the knitting industry yeah in the UK I know a lot of other um knitters and that that knit in meetings and things yeah. and it's mostly seen as very acceptable so yeah. that's a good thing I wonder whether zoom has like the pandemic has inadvertently helped that a bit I certainly have felt more comfortable 
being in a training day and just openly knitting while I'm doing that on Zoom than maybe I would have done to do it in person. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I didn't quite have known what reaction I might get, even though I 100% feel it would help me focus to do yeah. a simple knitting thing in the background at the same time as listening to something. Um, yeah. But I think you're right, it takes a certain amount of confidence in yourself to be able to say, this does help me focus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fine. I am paying attention to you. I yeah. don't need to pay attention to the knitting. It's good. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of why you still knit now, I don't know how much you tried the other hobbies and how much you still do the other crafts or whether they knitting has kind of dominated for you. <laughs> Knitting has definitely dominated my craft, but I still sew and spin and uh, work in sketchbooks and, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and I'll do anything. I'll try any craft yeah. and I can sit with my knitting at nighttime or I take it places like that's my kind of calm. Yeah. Um, but like sometimes I'll get the itch to go and sew something or yeah. I want to make something specific and I'm like, well, I'm going to felt that or I'm going to. Yeah. So do you think knitting is the main one you associate with being helpful from a kind of mental health, mental well-being kind of perspective? You said you associate Definitely. that with calm. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know why knitting. I do crochet as well, but it, it's always the knitting that I come back to. Okay. Always, always. I mean, going back to kind of the comfort blanket type thing, if you go out somewhere in public in that, it's yes. so easy to to take a wee project like a wee sock or a glove or I mean I've taken big projects with me too I'm not gonna lie um I will be that awkward one with like three bags going about um you can just take out and just sit and you can focus without really focusing so if you're uncomfortable you can kind of retreat back into it but if you're not you can engage with what's going on um but yeah I don't know why name I really don't know why so it sounds like something really important for you that it's portable so that you could take it out as a like safety blanket yeah definitely uh with you out into the world that sounds like that's important and that obviously presumably spinning and sewing maybe it's all a bit more difficult to bring it with you I guess it depends on what kind of sewing it is yeah Um, I mean there is an idea about um in terms of thinking about knitting versus crochet that there's something particularly about the repetitive bilateral movement so that you're crossing the midline I don't know it depends how you knit actually but Mm -hmm. um because only some types of knitters cross the middle of their body but there is an idea that like some um trauma therapy like EMDR I don't know whether you've heard of that um, no but it's a type of trauma therapy where you reprocess trauma so you talk about a traumatic memory and you do repetitive movements that cross the midline of the body so that might be your eye movements or it could be tapping like this like with your arms crossed on your chest and that that helps you to reprocess trauma um so there is a theory um so Betts and Corkhill's done quite a lot of research into the therapeutic benefits of knitting that that it's because it's a bilateral movement so it's a movement that kind of crosses the center of your body so I mean that's one theory I suppose but I guess everybody's different it might not be specifically that for you yeah Um, I mean it's it's hard as a I mean I suppose I have a bit of the psychology background but not nothing massive but I always find like through going to counseling and that that it's not until you start speaking to somebody that you're like oh yeah that that makes sense that's that's why I do that or that's why that comforts me a bit so yeah it would be difficult without actually 
like looking into it and, and going through and it. But that's part of why I'm having these conversations is to hear from knitters, like what is therapeutic about knitting for lots of people? Because I think lots of us think it keeps us sane or it really helps us or, you know, and I guess yeah. loads of different ways and it won't be the same for all of us. But I guess that's one no. of the theories is about the repetitive movements and the um, particular action of them. I mean, I would agree with you. I, I'm definitely a process knitter. I mean, I enjoy the end object, but it's definitely more about the doing than than the end thing um yeah I mean there may be something about like the kind of rhythm of it and it's just like I suppose I suppose it holds my attention as well enough to stop oh this is going to sound wild but it stops the kind of brain noise yeah yeah um especially if you've got like a complicated pattern you can like there's enough focus there to not let the, the intrusive thoughts yeah. um come in yeah. um and you can kind of get into the rhythm and and it kind of leads on to you feeling a lot better in that moment so yeah I mean so it's actually like really sometimes you need a bit of like the knitting pattern has to be complicated enough to use mm-hmm. enough of your brain power or to focus it on that in the here and yeah. now and not to let it freelance over you know and look for things to be worried about or yeah yeah ruminative loops to get trapped in <laughs> totally yeah. I tend yeah. to go for I'm not I don't like knitting socks okay yeah they're not my favorite yeah um <laughs> Did you know why? I they're too plain okay yeah I mean I will knit a sock yeah. um but I find them too plain. I will do like a, a lacy kind of sock or yeah. something interesting. And that's funny how you say about having a pattern that's just complicated. I've never thought about that before. But you're right. I do tend to go for patterns that have got something that I have to focus on, but not too much that I can't take it out and about with me or yeah. watch the TV or yeah. do other things yeah. with. I would have multiple on the go at once. I'd have a take everywhere easy sock or a pat or something and then a more complicated one that when I need to deliberately turn off the noise in my brain like yeah. I said and focus on the knitting I mean we've all got several projects on the go yeah. <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of all no but I think I deliberately <laughs> strategize in terms of process a bit like you like um mm-hmm. that it's about the pro what I'm going to be doing when I'm doing it rather than the end result necessarily yeah yeah totally and also I mean I don't know about you but the actual process leading up to knitting so like picking your yarn yeah. picking your pattern winding your yarn picking your needles da, da, da. yeah I enjoy that part of the process as well mm. and is um, there anything about that that's therapeutic I suppose I'm interested in like are there certain I don't know stitch patterns you gravitate towards are there times when you feel like you want to be I don't know spending time with certain colors obviously you're a yarn dyer as well so I'm sure color is a big thing for you um yeah I don't know I well, anything therapeutic about all that stuff? Um, I'm more about the feel of things. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I do enjoy color, but I more gravitate towards the feel of the yarn. Um, I like a really kind of. I am one of those snowflakes that likes the soft or yeah. something with a bit of interest and texture to it. I like okay. the feeling when it goes through my hands. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad I was being a psychologist right now. When- that's a random version this um, is exactly what I'm interested in because I think these are all the things that I've been thinking about in my own head and wondering like is it you know are there certain times you need to be sitting there with some mohair in your hands or you need to be sitting there with you know that part of that is the tactile experience of 
and yeah. it, like it is literally like a physical comfort blanket but in your hands and you're doing something with it yeah no definitely yeah. Um, I completely agree with that um so it needs to it be did... soft and have some interesting texture yeah 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 um I also when I'm knitting I enjoy like a a nice stitch pattern yeah I can work for you is a nice stitch pattern do you know what? I enjoy a cable yeah I enjoy something that I don't know what the word for it is I do enjoy some lace but not like a traditional like Shetland lace interesting so is it like <clears throat> so I quite like a a stitch pattern that I can remember for a round yes. so it might have like six or eight processes but I can either read them in the knitting so I don't have to look back at the pattern all the time yes. or I can remember it for that row or round and then learn a new one for the next one I don't yeah. know whether you're similar or so I don't know that I would love a lace pattern that had to look at the pattern constantly that every stitch for example no no I completely agree with that. that's kind of where my head was going um and I yeah. don't know enough about Shetland lace to know what that means exactly well I, do you know what complicated do you know what it's probably not I haven't done any Shetland lace knitting but I was kind of meaning the um you know the big white baby blanket Shetlandy lace yes. type things um I think it's more about the thickness of the yarn than the pattern I could be wrong and I will have complaints at me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but yeah just I like something that looks good and as you say something that's easy to kind of memorize but not too easy yeah um just enough to like when you're sitting knitting every round or like guard stuff you're talking it's I find that very it's maybe too it's maybe too easy yeah whereas if you kind of throw in like a lace chart or something yeah. I find that quite nice color works also really good for yeah kind of keeping you going I suppose yeah so it sounds like yeah. there's a zone where so knitting could be too easy and then it's not doing enough of the work of helping your brain switch off from stressful things yeah and it could be too hard that it feels I don't know a bit tedious and annoying and it, there's a zone in the middle where it's the right level of challenge that it can yes. occupy your brain enough to give you a bit of a rest from rumination yeah. let's say and not challenge you too much that it puts you off yeah I mean I do like a really challenging pattern mm. I do but that's once in a while and I complain the whole time <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm this just like why <laughs> why did I choose this one? Oh, I just did a big brioche shawl it's oh, the yeah. um blooming brioche by Sandy Peters okay. and oh my goodness or just I don't know why I did that to myself <laughs> um it's beautiful and I'm really pleased with how it turned out but I was looking at that chart every single row yeah yeah so that's so, a challenge I haven't ventured into brioche actually that's it's on my list of something I want to do but I haven't yet <laughs> you should give it a go it's definitely something that you need to stick at because it does it's not it's not intuitive to start with I didn't find mm. but mm. once you get it you're like oh that makes sense yeah, okay and then it's you one get of those things sense of achievement of doing yeah that. totally oh I can do that that that's oh I'm good I can do things do you think that's something knitting gives you like the sense of achievement because some oh definitely that's helpful with you know all of our kind of mental well-being is getting that boost of oh I did this thing and I guess it's yeah. something also you can see and hold and show people <laughs> yeah I also like um 
I don't want to say this as like narcissistic or anything but I quite like when you finish something and people are like that's really cool <laughs> and you're like oh thank you just that kind of narcissistic at all, it's like the insecurities of myself I'm just like well I did something good oh <laughs> so yeah it kind of feeds into that really and is that something are you mainly knitting garments or things you would wear are you knitting things you would keep for yourself or give away I knit everything and anything yeah. um mostly like back let's say a couple of years ago I had a shop so a lot of my knitting was for the shop okay. um but I closed that two years ago mm-hmm. hindsight's okay. a great thing with the pandemic mm-hmm. and I kind of felt a bit lost because I was doing all this kind of showing off yarn knitting and then I was like oh what so now it's like back to knitting things for me yeah and I'm like but I don't need six shawls do I I don't know so I've kind of started knitting for for family and friends and things yeah um I crocheted a wee Cinderella doll for my like one-year-old niece and I got a message from her mum going it's her favorite thing ever and I was like oh my god I'm so happy yeah that's an added Um, boost that knitting gives you when you get started yeah totally yeah when people like it yeah yeah and I guess that was one of my questions really that was on my list about whether it affects your mental health when it's the finished article as well as just the process it sounds like you're a lot about the process but you also get something from the end result so either because people compliment you when you're wearing your lovely jumper or your shawl or you give it away and then people Nice yeah people enjoy it. it yeah it's nice when people enjoy it um I've I've I mean as most crafters know you find out who likes it and who sure doesn't like it and you end up only making for them like my mum I make loads for my mum she's like my number one fan yeah. um and she always gets so excited no matter how ghastly it turns out <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's a, it's a really nice feeling when you can make something for somebody and yeah I feel like as well so I have depression mm-hmm. winner and sometimes when you're in that that dark space and I knit all the time when I'm not doing other things yeah. so like when like my friends have recently moved house and like I've made them housewarming gifts mm-hmm. and that was something that I could do instead of having to sit on the internet and overthink like oh what would be the perfect thing for their new house or maybe they've got too much stuff but everybody could use a pair of slippers right so it it kind of um it kind of helps with that uselessness as well that feeling of uselessness that you are doing something productive and then you can are there times so even when you're feeling low are you able to knit always you are okay yeah um I don't know if it is because over it's been so long now Mm. that I just understand that that kind of keeps me grounded and kind of not in my head yeah that I'm just like well it's a no-brainer really just go and get your knitting and sit for a bit so like if I wake up and I'm like oh today is not a good day I will tend to sit with my knitting and a cup of tea for like an hour or so just to kind of instead of writing the whole day off and it's something new that I've learned that it's okay to just, I mean, the joys of being self-employed, right? I am lucky that I can do that. Mm-hmm. But to be able to sit where you're knitting and just bring yourself, like wake yourself up and shake off whatever you've woken up with, 
you can focus on doing something so you are like you're being you know the whole you have to be productive all the time so you're being productive but you're also kind of um soothing your brain a little bit and then I'll go and have a shower and get my day going and things like that so yeah so it sounds like it helps you to feel you're being productive when it feels really overwhelming to do anything yeah yeah it really does and it's not something I've realized until recently that um when you spend a lot of time on the internet I don't know if there's like cycles of things that are shared and a lot of it now is like you don't and I assume it's because of the pandemic that people feel guilty that they're not as productive as they maybe would like to be or have been in previous years um but there's a lot of stuff about like you don't have to be productive all the time or society tells you you should be productive and you're you're not less of a human if you're not productive and I suppose the kind of they're right like you are always told that you should be busy or working and and you always get praised for being busy all the time but when you struggle mentally I mean and physically but like in my regards mentally be productive when you just literally don't have the spoons to clean the house or whatever you have to do sitting doing a couple rows of knitting yeah you've sat quite a lot Mm. Does so, it yeah. help that you can kind of see it and feel it like you can see the progress you made? Yeah. Other than, you know, I don't know whether if you clean the house, it always ends up getting dirty again. I mean, you <laughs> have a dog, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, poodles don't tend to shed. Well, they don't shed. No, um doesn't shed. That's one blessing. Manuals, there's hair everywhere. It does go to the park and get very muddy and bring it all back in the house, though. That's what you have for having <laughs> a white dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah like the cleaning's never ending but you're right being able to see the progress on the knitting and sometimes you you add a wee stitch marker in to see how far you've knit oh yeah and that's a good idea and it's just, yeah. it's just an extra serotonin boost really yeah I think I'm that's a good idea actually I need to do I've just done a color work yoke and now I've got <gasps> I'm looking down the barrel of nine inches of stockinette which is not my favorite part of a <laughs> no. sweater but maybe I should put in some stitch markers so I can yeah. see my progress because it does feel like you knit and knit and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's a good Precisely. Idea. Yeah, you can, and you'll be able to see, like, if you're sitting in the evening, you'll just be like, oh, I've done an inch instead of feeling like you've only done, like, three rows. Yeah. I love going to, you know, when you have to go to, a, you know, a doc's appointment or something and you sit there and you feel like, oh, this is, you know, I like to be able to see. I got mm-hmm. this amount. Everyone else has just got some time on Instagram or something on their phones, whereas I got yeah. an inch of a boring <laughs> cup of a sock or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's doing that. Yeah, it's good to not be on your phone all the time. Although I'm on my phone all the time, I'm I'm trying not to be. I think everyone's on their phone all the time. Yeah. Really. Just. I was going to ask about a significant um, project. I. Yeah, I found that really difficult because um because I do just enjoy the process of doing it yeah nothing that kind of really I suppose I wonder is there a particular time when you think oh yeah that I don't know whatever I knitted at that point I really was really memorable or this I gave to my mom and she loved it or I don't know something that got you through a difficult time or could be any reason for being significant really yeah well recently well last year I'm just thinking how much not not how much to say I haven't said this in public but I'm happy to say it um last year we lost Mark's granddad and um, Mark being my husband and I was very close to his granddad and he had cancer so he ended up in like 
uh, palliative care and, and it just wasn't a good time and there was a whole issue with family and um but back when I had the shop I had started um Karina Westerman or Carrie Westerman um summer aisle shawl as a mm-hmm. as a shop sample yeah and I had two skeins of my own yarn and I had started knitting it but for some reason it got put to the side and kind of forgotten about yeah but it's such a beautiful pattern that I was like no I want to work on that mm-hmm. so um we Mark's gran is um practically blind and she's in a wheelchair so we moved in to her house for a fortnight to help her out and um I was on it was height of the pandemic so it was only one visitor into the hospital but because she was in a wheelchair I got in as like a carer mm-hmm. um so we would spend like two hours in the hospital so this was kind of my hospital go-to project okay yeah and um Mark's granddad um was always like he was so he was just the best like legitimately the best and we're trying not to cry yeah sure um and he was always like I like I used to knit him socks because he his mum I never met his mum but his mum apparently was the most fantastic knitter and would hand knit him socks as soon as I learned how to knit socks I was like the old man's getting socks and I would give him socks and when I shop closed the shop he got all the socks um and he was just like he genuinely just was the best oh, and um so I would sit in there on this project and and every night because we were there every single night yeah. he would be like how far have you gone what have oh, you done is it finished yet is it finished yet and it would just be a bit of banner yeah um and then he died and the project well the project took a lot more yarn than it should have okay. as oh, there's a story behind that it's my fault it's not the pattern um <laughs> So again, it kind of got put to one side and I kind of couldn't look at it because yeah. of the memories attached to it. Yeah. But I finished it at the start of this year. I was like, well, kind of over Christmas, start of this year. And I was like, finishing this. I'm finishing this for the old man. Yeah. And when I finished it, I was like, old man, you'd be so proud of me. Yeah. I finished it. Um, oh God, no crying. It's so to cry. So yeah, having that, he's there. Yeah. And you've presumably you're keeping that to remind you of that time. Oh, that's amazing, MJ. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful. Sh- it's huge, <laughs> hence why it needed more yarn. But wow. it's like a massive. It is a massive blanket, and I can just it's lovely. And that will remind you. Yeah, just this is really yeah. terrible. But um, so when he was in the kind of the palliative care hospital, sure. but he was still very he wasn't bed bound which was mm. like he was still very he was in a wheelchair like an electric wheelchair yes. so he would always kind of walk us out yeah. of the kind of area he was allowed to go to um and March Graham would say like bye and lovey-dovey kisses and everything and I would just give him the finger and he would give me the finger back and that's the last thing I did to him was give him the finger I was like <laughs> oh god but it sounds like, like there was a lot of affection in that swearing yeah. at each other yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. and he was just banter with each other <laughs> it was yeah he yeah. was just the best and yeah and I'm sure so, that's what how he would have wanted it he wouldn't have wanted you to suddenly would have freaked out absolutely if suddenly not yourself at him and kissed him uh, yeah no that would have been <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did once 
thank you for sharing that really oh no worries i'm sorry about crying no don't be silly. i'm like and i'm really sorry. so sentimental no um it's one of those things he was in a lot of pain so sure. yeah and but really special for that you have that shawl to remind you yeah i know and i'm sure he appreciated all those socks he did and oh when they emptied his house i don't know where all the socks went mm. Yeah. Mark was like, but you gifted it to him, so they're not yours anymore. And I was like, yeah, but I made them. It feels weird. But mm, yeah. if they've gone to the charity shop and somebody else is using them, then that's fine. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, cozy feet. Sure. Cozy feet. Yeah. I also wanted to ask about a knitting high and a knitting low for you. Oh. They don't have to be deep and meaningful. They could just be, I don't know, I had a my cable needle broke on the like my uh, circular needle broke when I was sitting on the tube and all of my stitches came off <laughs> or that sucks <laughs> yeah but it's one of those things we've all been there similar stories haven't you when you're in yeah yeah we've, we've all done it <laughs> and knitting high let's start with knitting high after yeah. that sad story yeah. um that's really difficult I feel like knitting is such a a background activity for me that I don't that's crazy isn't it it's like a background activity but I do it all the time but it's just nor mm. is there any like project when you thought when you got to the end of it it felt like a real triumph or when you first learned to I don't know I remember the first time I turned a heel I ended up standing staying up late like to 1am because I thought I don't know how this is going to turn out I'm just going to follow the yeah, instructions just, but it's just going to go with 3D. it yeah <laughs> yeah how does that work that's can I say something more not about knitting itself but more about like the friends I've made along yeah, the way yeah of course you can yeah because I mean as as a child who was very badly bullied um I've never felt accepted mm. and getting into the knitting industry especially um in Scotland I'm saying Scotland because that's where I'm from but sure. I have met so many people that accept you for who you are mm. and are absolutely your cheerleaders the whole time mm and we're all a little bit broken so we all understand when we say no my brain's a bit mush or various other things so I would say my knitting high is definitely being able to call these people friends Mm -hmm. and being part of a community that we are all in and are very supportive yeah I think that's definitely my knitting high that's a huge thing Yeah. yeah yeah Even people I've only met a couple times, it's just, and I'm saying this from a place of privilege, for sure, but everybody's so nice. Hmm. I know there are issues in the knitting community, you've probably read yeah. and seen, and, and, it, and it sucks, and it's like, that's not the community I know, but I know that it exists, for sure. I don't want to be that naive. Yeah. But yeah, for, for me, I'm very grateful that I have people that are so supportive. And, you know, we'll send a message and be like, you okay, chick? And I'm like, no, but hi. Yes. Or we'll send Thanks you a, a stupid video on TikTok just to be like, I saw this and it made me laugh and make you laugh and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So that's definitely my knitting high for sure. Great. Um, and my knitting low would be... Mm, the one thing that springs to mind because I'm working on it just now was I went to the very first Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Mm-hmm. And have you been to Edinburgh? No, but I would love to go to the Edinburgh Yarn <gasps> Festival. It's um, a beast on to the first one was. 
How long ago was the Oh, good question. Mm. Had I opened the shop by then? I'm not sure if the shop was open. So maybe 2013, 2014-ish. Uh-huh. Around about then. Yeah. Um, but I went, I dragged Mark along with me. Yeah. And we went in and it was in the afternoon and it was so busy. I was still so busy. And this was, it was an, this was when it was in, I think, the drill hall. So it wasn't in the, the corn exchange. It was okay. much smaller venue. Yeah. So we went in, we kind of wandered about really quickly because I was just so overwhelmed. There was just too many people, too much nice yarn. I was like, oh, I need to leave. Went in, saw Lilith of the, um, of the, of Old Maiden Aunt. And there was like, she had her trunks and things. And there was this most beautiful colour. It was her buttermint colourway, which is this beautiful yellow. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's gorgeous. So I grabbed it. <laughs> Bought it. Mm-hmm. I was like, saying to Lilith, I, I didn't know Lilith at the time. Yeah. I was like, it's so busy. How are you coping? And she was like, I'm not. And I was like, do you want to hide under the table? And she was like, absolutely. <laughs> All my yarn left. Great. We were home. I took the yarn out. I was like, yarn. It's so pretty. Cobweb lace. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was not a new knitter, but not a, what's the word? Not a confident knitter. Yeah. I was like, what? I don't know what to do with this. So it sat in my stash for ages and then I brought it out and was like, I took the yarn out. I was like, I'm going to do something with this. Yeah. Um, and I, I looked at Shetland Lace, thought, do you know what? That's a good challenge. I'm going to try doing like one of the ring, you know, the shawls that go through a wedding ring and things. Yeah. But the yardage wasn't enough on it. And I think there's like over a thousand meters on it, which is mm-hmm. crazy. So it just so happened that Lilith had a, a studio fire, not a big one, but there was smoke damage to yarn. So she kind of sold off cheap. And there was another skein of this colorway. Okay, yeah. I, I bought it. I was like, yes. Because she doesn't often have that base in stock. I was like, yes, get that. And it arrived. And because it was like five years apart, they weren't the same dialogue. Yeah. They, they were different colors. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. So again, it went back in my stash. And it's just, as a bit of a low, it's always kind of plagued me. Just okay. this sitting in my stash because yeah. I want to use it. But I recently, and I suppose it kind of flips it on. I recently figured out that I could knit a lace top with it. Okay. So I am okay. currently knitting a lace top, mm-hmm. holding both strands together. And I only need one, well, two skeins, but I only need one skein. What's the wow. pattern for the lace top? Okay. So it's Diafania, D I A F A N I A, by Camilla Larson. Diafania. So but yeah, it's just in a- progress right now. Yes, I could show you if you want. Use that. Yeah, I'd love to see. Oh, it's an amazing so, yeah. colour. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. So yeah, it's got, like you, I'm just on the yoke. I'm not looking forward to the, the rows and rows of stocking it afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, I am enjoying it. And it's got a lace yoke. Yeah. So it's easy enough to memorise. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Hey, so is it feeling good to use that yarn? now? It does. So I suppose that. For a while takes away from the knitting law doesn't it but I'm really pleased at seeing the light of day I know me too (laughs) that's the thing about like everybody well not everybody has a big stash but I know we all have at least some yarn kicking about Mm -hmm. and it's just so nice to be able to use it because you've bought it because you love it it's just a shame that it's I need more hands basically yeah more hands actually ended up going stash free because of the not liking the the kind of guilt factor of when I wanted to knit a new thing, if I didn't happen to have, because you've got to have the right 
yarn in the right like thickness of yarn the right quantity of it for the project I just found that that was a matchmaking process that never quite resulted in a harmonious match and so I ended up just so I, the only stash I have is you know nice uh, you know, remnants basically of things yeah. I've used things for. So I don't buy unless I have a specific project that I'm about to start. I started doing that. Um, well, I started doing that quite a few years ago, actually. Mm, I went, yeah. I, before a show, I would like um, write up a spreadsheet of projects and yardage and things. So I'd have a selection of things I yeah. wanted to make so that I could then be like, okay, well, I love this. What can I make with this? Okay, that. And then at least I know I would have enough for at least our project. Um, but yeah it's it's quite satisfying to I haven't got no stash I definitely don't have no stash yeah I still have a lot of um like sample yarn and things Mm. that I try and give to people (laughs) and one of my friends um works for a women's refuge charity here and they're doing something with pom-poms to they're making pom-poms and they're going to put them up around Dundee in spaces where women don't feel safe to kind of make it a bit more of a nicer environment okay. to be in. and she's like do you have any purple orange or green and I'm like oh you bet I do and I was like then went over with like bags I was like please take this bye yeah so it's going to a yeah. good course <laughs> absolutely yeah. so yeah if you find a pom-pom in Dundee it's probably <laughs> that's amazing the last question I normally ask is what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the kind of rest of your life patience okay yeah um definitely patient spilled over into other realms of your life outside of knitting I want to say yes my husband would say no <laughs> that's okay he's not on the podcast <laughs> no that's true I think he's out with a dog <laughs> you can't even hear me say that um no I think it's definitely given me a sense of like kind of being in the moment mm-hmm. to stop catastrophizing things yeah. and getting all up in your own head yeah patience to just sit and be and definitely a coping mechanism for um situations where I I like to pre-plan everything and know like where am I going to park what how long is it going to take and I run through these things in my head so um it's given me something to be able to kind of as you say that comfort blanket type thing so that at least that's one piece of the the plan yeah that I don't need to worry about that I could sit in the waiting room like at the yeah. hospital with the doctors yeah and I don't have to worry about how long I'm sitting there or mm-hmm. are people looking at me or are people judging what I'm doing blah 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 yeah so it kind of takes away that kind of nonsense yeah <laughs> yeah it means that once I get there I can sit and, and be calm and just focus on it in and then we'll deal with what's next <laughs> yeah okay that's amazing and I loved, I have to say, um, your collection, your new collection <laughs> of yarn. And I love some of the yarn names. They are amazing. And I think you're right. They talk, they speak to the kind of the messier side of yeah. mental health when you think, you know, I think was there one about not having washed in a week and therapy yeah. tears. And oh, therapy tears is my friends. <laughs> yeah. I think it, I was just at that place where, and I'm sure a lot of people were in the pandemic where everybody was trying to lift everybody up, which I totally appreciate. And everybody was looking at like 
the beautiful things around them like um the flowers in their garden or yeah. you know the be- like the beautiful things and really look at it and it was so good I did really love it but at the same time I was sat there like not having washed in a week having yeah. not brushed my teeth in however long crawling out of this cave and I'm just like do you know what I love you all for this but actually I feel like rubbish yeah and we <laughs> Can we talk about that for a minute, please? Can we focus this to me? Um, and yeah, it was nice to, when I kind of shared the idea, people were really open for it and it, it made me feel less on my own. Yeah. And I'm sure you've made that, other people feel less on their own as well because they thought, ah, well, I'm not the only person here. Who well, I hope so. For a week or, you know, has cried their way through another therapy session or, you know, because that will speak to lots of us, won't it? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it was quite cathartic for me, for sure. Sure. Um, Yeah, so kind of proud of that one. Yeah. Um, So I'm sure there'll be lots of people who would like to follow you on Instagram. You've got a video podcast, is that right? Oh, yeah, I do. I do that thing. (laughs) Or yarn and the... Oh, yeah, okay. Collection. So how can they find out more? Okay, so my website is www.rustyferretyarn.co.uk. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at rustyferretyarn. Um, I'm not so active on there just now. I'm finding Instagram a lot just now. Okay. But I am quite active over on Twitter. Okay. Um, which you can... Yeah, it's the same. So at rustyferretyarn on Twitter as well. Okay. And the podcast is on YouTube. It's not a podcast. It's a video podcast. Video podcast. Um. Yeah on youtube and i believe that's rusty fair yarn too okay but you'll get that from my website everything's linked on my website super and lj thank yeah. you so much i'm really honored that you beautiful stories about mark's granddad and the shawl and yeah so that was a real pleasure for listening to the why i knit podcast if you'd like to find out more about therapeutic knitting you can follow me on instagram at knitting is therapeutic or check out my website therapeuticknitting.org to be notified when a new podcast is released please subscribe on your podcast app